Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best magic trick. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Shall we do this? I guess. All right. Yeah. <laughs> We've been rolling. We've been recording for a while. None of that is usable until now, right? Yeah, that's right. Maybe this some of it. This is usable. This is the usable stuff. Great. You're, all, you're just going to have to like imagine. A 45-minute outtake reel at the end of this episode. Great. Well, you know what? Bloopers. We'll make it bonus content. Yeah. Sure. Here comes the fun drive. <laughs> it's 17 gigs, and you just upload it to Zoom. <laughs> Once you zip it, it's like 40 beforehand. Right, right, right. <sighs> what a nightmare. <laughs> We are here today with Misty Lee. Misty Lee, we've been trying to get you on the show. We're so happy to have you here. This is very, very exciting for us to talk about something that you know a, a heck of a lot about. I now. mean, I guess. Yeah. I've been doing it a long time. I've been avoiding you guys for a long time, but Ken wrote me in. So here we are. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. I want to run through some of the cool stuff that you've done. Because there's too much. I mean, put aside the fact that you're uh, an incredible voiceover actor. Oh, That's a Incredible. Look it up if you don't believe me. I don't, why would, why would you, why would I start lying now? Yeah, you <laughs> haven't lied in over 300 episodes. How do they know that? Except yeah. that one time. That <laughs> one don't know. time that no one knows. Do you about. have a fact checker? Yeah. It's, no. but he's been busy for the last four years. Yeah. So we've been coasting for a while. Well, it's me. I check all the facts and <laughs> yes. zero Pinocchios. There you go. Ooh. Not only are you. How many uh, knees though? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh, More knees than stretch man. Stuff, oh, stilt man. Stretch man. I don't know. Now, stretch man is what your grandfather calls Mr. Fantastic. Stretch man. Well, at least he isn't calling Sue Storm stretch man, because then we right? would have some major problems. <laughs> and it's time for grandpa to go to the institution. Grandpa's cataracts are acting up. Stop this is not what we're supposed to be talking about, is it? It's no. never what we're no. supposed to be talking about. Uh, incredibly accomplished magician. You are hey, you, uh, staff medium. At the Magic mm-hmm. Castle, the world famous Magic Castle. Also, mm-hmm. the voice of the Magic Castle. Mm-hmm. Also, not only did you appear on Penn and Teller's Fool Me, but you fooled Penn and Teller. Oh, that is not true. That is a lie. No, fool. you didn't fool them. No, no, but how, I knew I wasn't. How you were embarrassing them. me? No, because no, I watched it. I watched <laughs> it. I, well, you fooled me. I got to stab Louis. Uh, what's this? Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson. Yeah, yeah. You did. That was cool. But they, the, I knew going into that segment, and here's some behind the scenes magic stuff that probably nobody will care about. But that trick that I did on Penn and Teller's Fool Us is a, mm. it's a variation of a Wayne Dobson trick uh, called "This Is Your Knife," and I worked with a magician named Andy Nyman on it, and we talked about it. And he said, "Well, how do you want to make this your own?" And I said, "I'm gonna." stab a spectator. Wayne just stabs himself. Wayne is a great UK magician that mm-hmm. isn't really working as much as he used to. But anyway, I digress. When I got on set, they said, couple changes to the routine that you've been doing all this time that you're so used to that we mm-hmm. all selected together. First of all, you have a guest star and you have to give him attention whenever he asks for it. You know, like pull focus the way that you're supposed to. And you guys understand that. Mm-hmm. But also legal said you can't stab a spectator. You have to stab Louis Anderson. 
which on the surface is a very fun thing to be told. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I usually hand the knives out to the audience for inspection. Mm-hmm. And this isn't really giving away the way the trick works, but it's giving away a little piece of it, which Penn kind of alluded to. So I don't really feel like I'm violating any magician's code, although I probably will several times in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I own this trick. So why would I tell you how that works? Uh, so anyway, they said, also, you have to hand the knives to Penn and Teller. And even though that's not how the trick works, they're not trick knives at all. Mm-hmm. I knew that as soon as I handed the knives to Penn and Teller, they were going to know what my methodology was. And I said to Lincoln, who's a very nice guy, the EP, I said, hey, Mm -hmm. if I do that, I'm ruining my chance of fooling Penn and Teller. And I just fooled Johnny Thompson and Michael, their magic advisors. And I said, this is going to change everything. And he said, right, that is true. He said, so you have a choice. Do you want the time on national television and a well-produced thing for your reel? He said, I'll pay you anyway. Or do you just want to go home? And I chose to go through and he was not, he was incredibly personable and super nice about it. He was like, look, I get it. You're in a professional quandary, but you're here. You did your job. You're about to shoot the thing. You showed up for all your rehearsals. You showed up for your package shoot. All of it is done. But what do you want to do as a pro? Do you want the airtime or do you want to, you know, not to walk away from this, but with a paycheck? And I went, ah, I don't have a lot of national credits. And I kind of need the exposure. And I was so full of regret about the way that thing turned out. Everything funny yeah. that I said, they cut out. And right. I, I did the trick in one take, even with, you know, like step here, two paces, turn around, hand this, move there. You're going to step two steps behind him. I executed. I was so nervous and focused yeah. that I executed every single change. But they just, you know, like, and at the end of it, It all boiled down. I was just devastated with the way it turned out. I didn't think I came off right. I didn't think I made the right decision, even though they were super nice and Penn and Teller were super nice. Got a great quote out of Penn. He said, you're not just a female magician. You're Misty Lee. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's going in my promo. Can I get that clip? (laughs) No. Okay. I'll back up then. But he did say it, um, which is awesome. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it all boiled down to one comment on YouTube. And doesn't it, though? Because I was so sad and everybody's just ripping me apart and that trick is so linear and it's boring. Well, it was changed completely from the way that I do it. You know, but the bottom line, in the middle of all this stuff, some dude named Jeebus Crusts wrote one word, tits. And I was like, you know what? That comment has as much merit as this comment, which has as much merit as this comment. And they're kind of all the same. Tits. That's my walk away was tits. And I thought, (laughs) you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> so here we are. Tits. Let, oh let the God. healing begin. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you make a choice, you know, like either do I stop here? Am I devastated? Do I not go on? And do I say, oh, that was horrible? Or do I put it on my resume and say, yeah, that's a thing I did. They called and I, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but they called and said, you want to do it again? And I said, you know what? No. Oh, no, wow. I don't. And they were like, we get it. So I, it's just, you know, like that and America's got talent. It's not for me. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's not my brand. It's not what I love. And Ken's going to cut all of this out. No, but, he's not. <laughs> no, it's not interesting, though. And we need to talk about the magic. Oh, no, 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 no. This we, is no, this is are. why we do this show. But, we'll get but, to that. Okay. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> I feel the bad. The weird thing about it is it sounds like I was saying it just like somebody told me Misty was on Penn and Teller Fools. And, but I actually watched it. And my oh. memory of it, I thought it was I thought you were, so, you know, just to know that me, an outside person who does know you. Yeah. 
first of all, 100% fooled. I thought it was, I thought you were fantastic. Thank you. And in my brain watching it, I was like, well, it's got to be tough to fool them because they see so much stuff and they seem like they've built and modified a bunch of stuff. But my memory of it, I, I thought it was so good that my memory of it became, oh, she fooled them. Oh, that's nice. Because yeah. she's so I good. Have and I watched the FU trophy. You know what? You fooled Hal, though. I fooled Hal, though. Yeah. Well, that makes it all worthwhile. That Hal and tits. I'm right. Good. Everything <laughs> else I achieve for the rest of my life now. 2024. Yeah. Gravy. Fooling Hal and tits. Tits. Yes. Jeebus Crusts was his screen name. And he, <laughs> I love and he, that you remember that. Oh, how could I forget? Of course. How could I forget? Look, he when Jeebus the, Crusts says that to you. The leader of the church of the grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Thou shalt not put mayo on the grilled cheese. He spake. He spake. <laughs> Let's talk about somewhere that you do seem more in your element than on a national Nationally TV stage with television. somebody saying, do this, change this, do this, yeah. do this, flip all this around. Let's talk about the Magic Castle. Specifically, oh. I want to ask you about the Houdini Seance. The Houdini Seance is one of those things, when you move to Los Angeles, you hear about it. It's sort of a legendary thing. What are you allowed to say about it? What I can, can tell you, you tell everything us? about it, and I can also tell you that the room has been completely gutted, and they're renovating it. Jim Steinmeier. No! Yeah. The Houdini Seance is being completely revamped, and I can't mm. tell you what's coming, because that's still being worked out and constructed, and there's this really sexy, exciting script that everybody's going through that's going through changes, and Jim Steinmeier's written it a whole new show, and that's not going to start for quite a while, because COVID and all this other stuff, but I can tell mm. you what it was, and what we have been doing, and then you can be excited to see the new stuff when we get in there. So what it was, was it was a room that was full of Houdini artifacts. And what we would do as mediums, which I used to refer to as the conduit between this plane of existence Mm -hmm. and the beyond, was conjure the ghost. We would conjure several ghosts. My particular show was all the shows were a light part and a dark part. My particular show in the light part conjured spirits who used to haunt that building for real. Mm-hmm. So residents like Roland Lane, who built the house and little of uh, the little girl that runs back and forth outside the Palace of Mystery, real ghosts mm-hmm. that you've seen. And then the lights would go out and we would conjure the spirit of Harry Houdini and the room would come to life. The piano played itself and the radio would turn on and ghosts would speak. Dr. Saint would speak through it. And the fireplace would light up and all this stuff would happen that was magic and new stuff will happen that is magic, but not that stuff anymore. Yeah. And it was a really, really, really fancy job to have. And I still think it is. I just don't know what the job is going to be. Oh, wow. Well, I'm excited to see what it becomes because that is that building is one of my favorite places in Los Angeles. Yeah. The times that I've gotten to go, it's always been exciting. Yeah. Well, you can go anytime you want now. You just Oh, look at this. Hey, All isn't that right. why we're doing this? Isn't that that's what this why, is cool? Look, that's why we're doing this whole <laughs> yeah. episode. This was all that's a right. big ruse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 100%. It's like, it's like one of those magic movies where it turns out in the end, the whole thing was a heist. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know what, honey? I'm into it. Let's go there. <laughs> Let's do it. And now you can have a pass anytime you Woo-hoo! want. Fantastic. It. Worth your while. But yeah, it's just, it's this, it, do you prefer playing in the smaller rooms there or the bigger rooms that do you have? I love the basement where it's all like sort of, I know you do a lot of sort of macabre late 19th century kind of vibe Sometimes, to your stuff yeah. that it has that kind of thing. All of these rooms are different. What's your favorite room to play in there? 
All the rooms are different, just like you said. Mm. And the woman who does the seances is completely different than when they asked me to headline Halloween and I did a Day of the Dead show on the stage covered in flowers and skull makeup. Cool. And that woman is completely different than the one that they asked to headline the Christmas show with Michael Finney and came out in half a Santa suit and was shouting at her beautiful women and put them in ugly Christmas sweaters, right? So mm. it's just, it, as a magician, I morph and modify depending on what that room is going to be and who I know the audience will be. Cool. When I'm in the seance room, I know that they paid a lot of money for dinner and to see this show. Mm -hmm. So, and I also know that the show is predicated on the supernatural. And it turns out that ghosts don't haunt Tenyo effects. And Tenyo is a common magic manufacturer. So it's a better joke if you're Mm -hmm. a magician, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) you know, I'm just making excuses for myself now. But it, I, so I had to create magic that had Mm -hmm. to do with old China because that house was built in 1908. And so if this stuff belonged to Roland B. Lane, and I'm going to say that, if it didn't Mm -hmm. really belong to him, I have to make it look like it did. So that's high-end magic. That isn't Mm -hmm. relatively engaging. It's more performative. Whereas when I'm on stage, it's a much bigger energy. I don't want to do that big energy in a room full of 12 people in closed quarters because their hair is going to blow back, and that's not appropriate. It's going to make them real uncomfortable. (laughs) If I'm doing that on purpose, that's one thing. But on stage, when you're in front of 160, it's a totally different vibe. I've also done the parlor. I want to drill into this a little bit because number one, I think we have an interesting challenge here, which is I don't want Mm -hmm. you to have to betray the magician's code. I totally will though. You can to the extent you're comfortable, but that 100% there's going to be so much podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. You can ask me questions off. I'll just tell Ken to omit it if it's too much. (laughs) Number two is it's interesting because Mark and I are kind of attacking this in the dark because Mm. I've seen a ton of different illusions. I've been to the magic castle a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing Derek and Helder when they were still sort of workshopping down there in the basement. And Mm -hmm. so I don't know the, uh, we don't, we don't know the names or technical terms, but I also think that there's something to, there's there's such a broad category because there are things like David Copperfield making the empire state building disappear. And then there's, I don't, forgive me, I do not know this person's name, but the international, the international magic competition did cup and balls with clear cups. Oh, yeah. Well, Teller did that too. Like something like that to do something that is a very well-known routine that's done everything from like a little kid's birthday party to these grandest stage, Mm -hmm. the, the grandest stage with, as you pointed out, magicians putting their own, you know, you have to take ownership of it. What is your version of it that's you and is different? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, how do we attack this? How would you attack this? Well, attack. Let's let's first talk about what we're going to decide. Are we going to? Mm-hmm. Because yes. there are about there's like nine or ten supernatural things that a magician can really do. They can divine information or read your mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. They can put something through something else, like a coin through or a pen through a coin or a person mm-hmm. through a wall, like Houdini did with the brick wall. They can float. They can levitate. They can escape from something. They can make two things switch places. They can transform something into something else. They can animate something that wasn't living before, produce something, make something disappear, or, you know, like restore something that's busted. There's all kinds of things that they can do. So we could go categorically and say, what's the best category, which would be fine. Or we could say, what is the be all end all magic trick? Understanding Mm -hmm. that magic is an art and art is subjective. So it's just our opinion. Right. And I have a lot of opinions. (laughs) I'm very excited for them. I think I'm actually looking at that list myself 
of those 10 different yeah. magic things that can happen. I think that we might be able to pull from each of these. If we take them one at a time, sure. uh, you can let us uh, muggles know what they mean, what they are. And I'm sure we can find uh, either a large scale or a uh, close up scale or one of each for each of them. And I'm sure some huge contenders will start to appear. 100%. And How does that also, sound? Yes. And also understand that each of us seeks out our particular type of scope of magic. So, for example, mm-hmm. you mentioned David Copperfield, someone who's like 18 might not know who David is. And they've never seen mm-hmm. him vanish the Statue of Liberty. And they don't know. By the way, the dude who designed that illusion, vanishing the use of the Empire State Building. I don't know if yes. Copperfield did that. He probably did. Mm-hmm. But he did the Statue, Statue of Liberty, Liberty. on I TV. The dude who designed that is the dude who's reworking the seance at the Magic Castle. Jim oh, Stein. wow. Really? Also wrote the book Hiding the Elephant about <laughs> Harry Houdini. So it's not like they just grabbed some slouch and threw it to whoever. You know what right. I mean? So yeah. I'm pretty excited about the seances. So we all have this artistic scope that we've seeked out because we have a type of entertainment that we like. You know, mm-hmm. so like someone really might like card magic and someone else really might like personality stuff. So we're just going to pick what we dig. Yeah. Yeah. I like okay. that. Look, I'm going to be honest. If I'm throwing in my one third of this, it's probably going to be big, giant things that happen on stages yeah. with assorted motorcycles and helicopters yeah. and all yeah. kinds of that stuff. I, so funny because I'm the opposite. You I like love, the small I, stuff. I think one of my, I think my favorite room in the castle might be the close-up parlor because mm-hmm. no matter how close you get, when it's done well, and look, I saw a guy doing coins where he would, you know, change it and make it disappear, and I definitely, for like a second, saw. Like, all right, I'm in an, an implicit agreement with you when I walk in that I'm not really interested in figuring out how you did it. I'm going to think about it afterwards, but mm-hmm. I want to enjoy it. Yeah. And, but every now and then somebody could have an off moment where I see just enough to go, oh, wait, I got pulled out of it for a second. We call that but flashing. I got, yes, yeah. I, I was flashed. I was flashed. Well, was, um, that, that's not how we use it, but I, I'll allow it. <laughs> I got flashed at the, at the Magic Castle. You were flashed at the Magic Castle. That oh, is goodness. a bumper sticker that we probably won't print. <laughs> yeah, that's not but it's make your it. personal story. And the good news is I'm in the middle. I appreciate the technical skill that goes into the close-up stuff, but I also mm-hmm. appreciate the technical skill that goes into the big stuff. And I've done both. Yeah. So I like certain aspects of this thing and I love certain aspects of that thing. So hopefully we'll all be able to come up with something we all three love, which is pretty cool. I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm kind of into it. Let's get started. Let's start with productions. We're going to start with productions and vanishes, making something appear in its simplest form. This could be pulling a rabbit out of a hat, making doves appear out of your jacket. What are some large scale? Because I like those seem like, you know, stage, but like small stage illusions. I'm trying to think of like giant appearing things well we were just talking about the statue of liberty disappearing that got the whole country on its feet everyone was stumped and it's the way it works i'm not obviously not going to tell you on the podcast Mm -hmm. but the the way that it works is incredibly simple and it's really really devious and really smart which is the truth for so much of magic like there are three kinds of people that watch magic there are people who think they know there Mm -hmm. are people who gotta know and there are people who don't want to know right Mm -hmm. And I love the people who got to know because they appreciate the arts. And I love to share the secret with those people only. Mm-hmm. I don't like some nerd coming up to me going, well, I know that you actually have a time machine <laughs> and you were able to go back in time. And it's like, no, it's actually just a slit and the coin just slides down into the. Bo- OK, you just let's. Yeah, I have a time machine. Oh, yeah, You're fine. I got a time machine. We have a bleep machine. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I also have a retake, so, you know, um, but you know, it's like, okay, dude. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And I actually, I literally, I did a show in the parlor and a dude came up to me after and he was like, so I saw that thing you did with the teacup and that was amazing. And I'm working on something with tea and you have to tell me how that worked. And I said, oh. I turned into Christopher Walken in Seven Psychopaths. And I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and he was like, but, but I'm a magician. And I said, I don't care. And he was like, but we need to share our secrets. And I said, too bad. Wait, you know? is that a magician's code thing? Like if a magician no. comes up to you and says, I'm a magician, you have no. to tell me the secret. Like if you're a cop, you have to tell me. Yeah. Show me your bed. (laughs) So show me your pin. You're going to whip your deck out and I'm going to tell you something. Get out of here. Tell you nothing. Is the importance of the, (laughs) is the importance of the code. I mean, I, I get the, the practical part of why ruin the illusion for the audience. Yeah. But also from a practical standpoint, something like making, if there's something very simple, behind making the Statue of Liberty disappear. Right. Simple, devious thing. And it becomes used for centuries. Mm -hmm. If you expose that, then that sets a domino effect that would ruin a ton of other illusions because then you're looking for it in everything. Yes. So it is protecting the audience and maintaining that sense of like, you have to have some sense of wonder and some sense of illusion. Otherwise, why are you there? It's no, it's, this isn't Mythbusters. But then the other half is practically protecting the magic community from being able to continue to take the sourdough starter and create mm-hmm. your own loaves of bread out of it. 100%. <laughs> yes, that is very apt and incredibly concise. And it, it it helps perpetuate the art form. And it also keeps the audiences curious and full of wonder. Yes. Originally, a lot of magic, and there's a woman who's continuing this work overseas, like in, in third world countries. She's using magic and coming in like the Jesus and teaching oh, wow. people, helping women brings good things and don't poop upstream of where you grab your water. You know, like literally she's coming in as a prophet and using sleight of hand with sponge balls and coins. Her name is Lisa Mena. Her project is called Cause to Wonder. And it's really lovely. A lot of, you know, people are on both sides of it and they're like, oh, she shouldn't be doing that. But she's helping these people advance. And she's, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, I, I am a fan. But going back to what you said, Hal, 100%. If you expose everything, you become in danger of nothing being special anymore. I mean, look at our society. We hold a phone. What did Louis C.K. say? You hold something in your hand that can talk to space. And I think that that is why, (laughs) you know, like, what can we as magicians do that make you wonder, to give you that cause to wonder, to coin, you know, use Lisa's coin term. So, you know, like, you have to make it matter. The matter now has changed. Houdini was able to tour around. He didn't have YouTube. He mm-hmm. was able to go two months ahead, make his plans, do his PR, and there was nothing else going on. And people would show up to watch him and they would look at just a curtain for 45 minutes. <laughs> and then people would bring, yeah. he would sit back there and read a book and people and occasionally kick the curtain <gasps> and people would be amazed. Now you see a dude <laughs> juggling 12 balls on YouTube once and he was on AGT. You don't need to see him live. You've already seen that. Yeah, We have a very unique, both skeptical and educated society. So how does a magician make that matter? They make it matter, A, in close-up, by using stuff that you know what a quarter is, or you know Mm -hmm. what a card can and cannot do, or on large stage, by making something happen that is so supernatural and impossible because it's too fast, it defies the laws of physics, and, 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 now I'm engaged, now I'm interested, now it matters, right? Or third, mm-hmm. they ask the question why, 
and have put so much of their heart and soul into developing their art form that you connect with them on that level. And those are the only three things that can make it a trick going back to the reason that we're talking about all this really Mm -hmm. matter. Now, I think, you know, it's like, how do you make this speak to your individual audience members and make this moment of magical curiosity special for them? And it's one of the things that I think Penn and Teller's Fool Us really falls down on. Because what mm-hmm. that show did, and the reason I said no to it season one when they approached me, what that show did was put the emphasis on the trick, the yeah. gimmick, the way that right. it works, as opposed to here's three magicians doing the exact same illusion their way. And yeah. we all know how it works. Let's see which one really makes it matter to us. That's a show that I would do. That's a show that I would love to produce and would love yeah. to pitch because that brings out the art and the art form. Right. Do you think that YouTube and sites like that have helped or hurt the world of magic in that it's given you the ability to see the same trick a million different times as done by different artists takes on it? But also you're seeing things you've got, you know, my video feed has pause and rewind and all these other like that's a thing, you know, when it's live and in the room. Do you think it's helped or hurt? I think the answer to your question is yes. Mm. Okay, I think I think yes. And and I think that it depends. I think that we find what we look for. So mm-hmm. if you want to know how a trick works, you find someone doing it poorly and you mm-hmm. advance it frame by frame, you're going right. to learn at least one method of doing it. Uh, maybe not the best method of doing it. Probably the one that doesn't learn. work great. Right. But you will find out, oh, it's that. It's the cup or, oh, right. it's the string. Oh, there's a string on it. A, a good magician might not use it that way, but mm-hmm. you will definitely find out one way that it could be done. If you are looking and you're studying the cups and balls, you mentioned that earlier with clear cups, for example, and you say, I want to see all the ways that magicians have done the cups and balls. And you can go all the way back to discovery of witchcraft in the 1500s and it's in Mm -hmm. there and say, I really want to put my own spin on the cups and balls. I want to see all of these things and I really want to see it done well. I want to see it matter to me. And then I want to build from there. And then you can find that too. And so I think that it has both helped and hurt. And then also what I just alluded to a moment ago, which is we constantly have to update our content and our repertoire as any Mm -hmm. current content producer will tell you, because we have so many options and can consume it so fast. And Mm -hmm. if we didn't quite hear what they said, we don't have to ask our friends at the water cooler in the morning or wait until it comes back on rerun. We just hit the back button and say, what did he say? Or you got to pee, you just pause it. You're not going to miss it. It's no longer an event. Entertainment isn't something that's special and can only be seen once live. Right. They're doing a little bit of that with the Zoom during the pandemic, but it's not, it's not the same because even on Zoom, you can step away or record and come back and, you know, and we have so much control over the way that we consume entertainment that it's, it's really a unique environment. I've likened what's going on right now with the internet and the digital media and the streaming and all of this stuff. I said, boy, it's almost like when vaudeville was turning into talkies and who's going to come forward and who's Mm going to be the pioneer that really figures this out. Cause everybody's trying to figure it out and you get a front runner like Netflix and then everybody goes, okay, well, we'll do the Netflix thing. It's this plus and Paramount plus and Disney plus and that plus and that plus. And now all of a sudden everyone's paying $200 a month again that they were paying to their cable for mm-hmm. all these streaming services and they're not watching any of it, you know, and who's going to really figure it out and lasso the moon, you know, it's a really interesting time. You know, they always yeah. say, may you live in interesting times. And we certainly are. Sure. It's our version of radio coming along. Kind of. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. With that being the case and YouTube having this massive effect on something like magic and Mm -hmm. the internet video speed revolution. I mean, we're doing this right now over Zoom. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the ability to do this. Do you think that takes away? Because it seems to me like a great magic trick is going to need great storytelling and a wow factor. Yep. As we've sort of managed to cobble it down in this conversation. Yeah. And the wow factor of it, like the how they do that seems to be almost evening out in Mm -hmm. a, in the way you said, like if you want to find out how they're doing it, you can. Mm -hmm. So that becomes less of an element. Does the storytelling become more of an element? And by that rationale is our, what we determine to be our best magic trick going to be something that is a usable piece to tell a story in a thousand different ways. I think maybe. And I think Mm -hmm. that, that, again, that is a completely subjective answer for me. It's a mix of all of those things. And it's also, it's something that I admire so much that creates such a magical moment. I don't care how it's done Mm because I usually know, you know, like I, I usually watch something and I go, oh, it's this trope or it's that specific thing. But every once in a while I see something and either I don't know or I just don't care because it was so beautiful and so on purpose that it, as I said, they made it matter. And mm-hmm. I think that the real big question that a lot of magicians don't ask or answer is why we could yeah. be anywhere else right now, but mm-hmm. right now we're right here. And this is what you've chosen to show us. Why? And for yeah. so many magicians, the answer is, well, because I can, here's a quarter. Now it's gone. Aren't you stupid? And it's like, yeah. well, well, what are you doing that for? You're just an asshole. You might as well just, you know, I, I, I'm sorry for the language, but that's all right. You know, I mean, it's just, it is really a falling short of using that opportunity to connect with human beings. And that's what I personally, subjectively think theater is for. I mm-hmm. think that really good theater helps us become more human and it makes us ask questions about what am I really doing here? And yeah. have I done everything I can? For everybody. And what is this journey actually all about? And I don't expect a magic trick to answer those questions, but I do hope that a magic trick will encourage me to ask more. Yeah. 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 So I think that the answer to your question, the, the several questions that you kind of wrapped into one there so mm. deftly <laughs> is yes, I think all of those things in the okay. best trick ever will be present, but okay. will it be a trick that Anyone can pick up and wow anybody with? I hope not. Well, I don't mean I anybody. Hope. I mean great magicians yeah. with the ability to tell stories. Sure, of course. I understand that yeah. you're vetting, you know, that it's a vetted anybody. It's, it's not artists. the quarter behind the ear is not yes, going to yes. win. It's not you just anybody's yeah. uncle can pick it up. And I understand that. But I'm, I'm selfishly hoping that the trick that we choose, because I definitely have one in mind. I have several favorites, mm-hmm. is something that is so specific to that magician because their heart is on display yeah. or because yeah. their soul is so connected. It appears to be, whether it is or not, mm-hmm. connected to what they're presenting that yeah. there's no one else in the world that could do it like that. Yeah. Which leads me into one of my first things that I'm going to pitch because that's what the magician says. Like that. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good segue. (laughs) Yeah. You like that? No, I was going to say you hit the nail on the head. There's one that I have in mind too. It would be funny if it was the same one. I wonder if all three of us have the same one in mind. Oh, that's exciting and sexy. If it was, this could be the, this could be the, the, Longest the sh- conversation with the shortest decision making yeah. ever. Which is- I, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm so curious now. This could be the longest conversation with the shortest decision period ever. Cause, because just cause we all agree, but no. I, the, the, I don't want to say what it is yet, but it is something I've seen both open and close and act several times. Okay. And until mm-hmm. I saw a version of it recently that 
was impactful enough. Like I'm always amazed by it. I always want it. Like I, I feel like I've got to know how it's done. Mm-hmm. And, but the last time I saw it, I was the first time I thought I don't ever want to know how it was done oh, because the wonderful. experience I had with that was so impactful that I think about it multiple times a week, if not every single day. Wow. And to know how it was done would somehow cheapen that experience yeah. for me. And I, yeah. I'm happy being the audience member. I don't yeah. want to have it like I want to be, I want to be like that. Jennifer and I took my father to the magic castle for his birthday. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't think I'd ever been to like an actual proper magic show with him. Mm. And the look on his face, uh, we could have stayed there all night long. Oh, he liked it. Okay. I thought you were going to say it was just utter disgust. Like, oh, God. (laughs) Every single time a trick had ended, he just had this like, (sighs) like they did it again. I've no, I just feel so dumb looking at it. I don't know. I know that there, that this isn't actually. This isn't actually like Doctor Strange, but uh, he was blown away by every the, from the from what seemed like the simplest thing to the the most ornate performance. Mm-hmm. He was blown away. Like I didn't realize how much he loved magic. That's cool. Until he was there watching those shows, and that's not a feeling I always have. A lot of the times, I get into the like I enjoy watching this person's patter. I like the performance. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. the personality they bring to it. But yeah. this particular trick that I'm thinking of always floors me in that way. And now is like. I don't even want to talk about it much more right now because it's I won't gonna, ruin it for you. It's wow. I will say that based on your description and what you've just said, we have different tricks. Probably is different. Yeah, and and that's Probably cool. I'm excited. Yeah, Mark, what's yours? Mine, mine is. Uh, oh, one don't tell I, us what it is. I don't think. Right, you're just going to tell us about it. I'm, I'm Jesus. It. This is the tease. This is I. Well, the reason it's it's what you were talking about, Misty. All of the. That whole last description of the perfect piece of magic, perfect effect. There's only one trick that popped into my mind when you were talking about that. Mm -hmm. And it is one that I got to see live in New York, but everyone can see now. Um, or most people can see now. I don't know if this is the same effect, but Mm -hmm. this is, uh, it was so tied to this artist and it was, uh, I think I know who the artist is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, (laughs) So we also funny. have a different trick, but I think I know who it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Is it the coloring book? N- yes, Where it's the magic yes, coloring book. And then they're yes. fully the colored, pa- <laughs> but then they're not yes. filled in. Yes. Which That's I it. do backwards, I by the way. I do. Oh, I have this yeah. birthday party character, Princess Magic. Oh, that's good. She's a drunk old lady birthday party character. And she comes out and that's the first trick I do. I go, well, you see all the pretty pictures? And yeah, she's got a cigarette. And she goes, now you take your magic wand and you wave it over <laughs> and you say the magic word. And then look. Nice. On cue. Just like all my hopes and dreams. And I throw it on the floor. See, talk about making it your own. I practice what I preach. You do it for little kids' birthday parties, I assume. Well, ostensibly, like she would never, you know, (laughs) that is not, she's not, that's the joke. Is oh my she, God. She abs- you know, she comes out and she goes, Ooh, look at all the grownups. And she's got a bottle of alcohol and she's like, I'm used to performing for the babies. No, <laughs> no, she's not. She actually Mike Ross's class. You you know Mike Ross quite well. Yeah, and oh, uh, yeah. Mike Ross's class is where she came from. Amazing. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to do monologues, and that's what I chose. I love it. <laughs> she's been with me for years. It's a pretty oh, great one. Long I wish I'd been there for that interview, Mike Ross. For the, the listeners who don't know, Mike Ross was all of our Second City uh, teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in I the day on Melrose. Yeah. 
And he is incredible. He's an incredible collaborator. He's incredibly creative. And he is like one of the best kept secrets in all of Hollywood. He's just a font of creativity. Absolutely. Yeah, I would like to jar his brain. uh, That Misty is referring to is he'll he'll have you create characters, but then Mm -hmm. you will sit and he will interview you in Mm -hmm. front of the class. And the way that he does it, Mm -hmm. it's not, I I don't think it's something that, that, again, it's like a magic trick. The way he's able to lead, not even lead you, but sort of guide you. And go, hey, uh, let me ask you a question that's going to open up a bunch of possibilities. And you're going to discover, you're going to walk away with a character mm-hmm. that's three times deeper than, than three minutes ago when you sat down. Yep. He does that so well, it blows Would you say away. it's the best magic trick? Actually, it's pretty damn good. It's really so much good. of theater is, I mean, we could go really cheesy and say that, like, the greatest magic trick is theater itself. Right, guys? The yes! of a child. Yeah, the greatest the greatest magic the trick is storytelling. Smile. The laughter yes. of a child. Yeah. A hug in a, uh-huh. on a rainy day. <laughs> that's my favorite. No, I don't know about that. That's the greatest medicine, Hal. We're going to do that on our best medicine episode. When you got a doctor on. <laughs> yeah, when we got a doctor on. Uh, she comes on next. Just wear a fake mustache for the Zoom. And like, This is uh, Dr. Misty Lee coming on. Oh, right good now. afternoon. I'm pushing up my glasses. It's so <laughs> nice to be here. I'm an expert with a degree in the medicine. <laughs> the oh, medicine. thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> well, thank goodness because we're picking the best of the medicines. Yes. No, we're picking the best magic trick. <laughs> I've, I abandoned long ago the idea of going through these uh, in, in yeah. any sort of. Oh yeah, we left that way. behind. Yeah. It's dusty. Structure is for wimps. Yes, that's uh, right. But I do want to give a shout out to a few different epic things that are on this list. Escapes. I, as a kid, grew up loving magic. I had every magic kit that I could buy locally, and I was obsessed with escapes. That was the thing I wanted to watch on television. Sure, David Copperfield walking through the Great Wall of China was amazing. But remember when he escaped from Alcatraz and Houdini with his amazing escapes? I just want to give a shout. I don't know that any of these escapes, they feel more like stunts. Can I ask you a dark question? Did you have Please. a difficult home life? No. Okay. No, I had a really total, like, I had two loving parents who let their kid buy all of the magic kits that were locally That's available. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cause sometimes people, you know, like one of the reasons that Houdini was so resonant mm-hmm. to immigrants was they had also escaped. Oh, and yeah. so he mm. became their icon in the, you know, in the, t- in the early teens and twenties mm-hmm. because he was able to rise above and he could not be held down. And they were experiencing such high mortality rates and spiritualism was on the rise. But Houdini was this icon. And the other thing about Houdini is he never claimed to have any supernatural powers. He said that what he yeah. did was apparent miracles. So there was a, a modicum of honesty in the middle of his deceit. And yeah. so it was like Batman. If you had the same discipline and wherewithal and anger in your belly, you too could accomplish these amazing feats. But you, you had a question, Mark. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just got excited. (laughs) Look, I get excited. We're talking about my favorite thing. I love it. So I, I'm getting excited. I, I, I really wasn't a question. I just wanted to open up to some thoughts about other types of great magic that we all clearly have something in our heads that we love. Yeah. Mine in particular is a piece of mentalism. Uh, they all are different kinds of magic. Teleportations were another one that I loved. I watched David Copperfield. I saw him live when I was a kid. I loved him. I grew up in the 80s. Uh, I watched but- him disappear in the audience and reappear on a motorcycle on stage. That is a teleportation that is made of a production and a vanish. So that's 100%. all like 
It's just math. It's just stacking different of these 10 elements on top of each other to create these stories. Math and timing. Yeah. But it's the storytelling that sticks with you all these years later. Exactly. If you saw a motorcycle in a parking spot here and then you looked down at your phone and looked up and it was two spots away, you'd go, oh, that's weird. But the fact that David made it matter to you for Mm -hmm. 25 years, 30 years, it's the story. Yeah. He made it matter to me for 25 years because he took 25 minutes to tell the story of this yeah. motorcycle before he actually. But how long did they take to decide how to tell that story? Yeah. He's a master and he oh, had yeah. the best and has still, he's still working, mm-hmm. you know, but he has the best of the best. And the nice thing about David is he knew how to vet it. Mm-hmm. He really had the wherewithal and the love for the art form. He started as uh, he became David Copperfield from David Kotkin in a musical. I think it was in Chicago. I'm probably wrong. But he he played a magician in a musical. And when he was done, he said, can I have these illusions? We've worked this out. Can I just keep doing it? And they said, sure. And he went to a magic convention and he performed some, you know, like truncated versions of the acts Mm -hmm. that he was doing in that show. And he was so slick and so polished and had had opportunities to improvise good lines. And so his jokes and his writing and his music was original. And people were like, who the hell is this kid? Yeah. He really (laughs) blew everybody away because he was savvy enough to take what he had been given and really make it work and then parlay it into something else. And he started taking ads out in the back of variety saying, do you know who this guy is? Cause you should. Wow. And wow. became a staple and one of the go-to guys just because he said so, but he also had the gift to back it up yeah. and he had the smarts to get himself there. He's a really, really smart dude. Well, he's great. And I would argue that, one of the iconic pieces of magic. There are some that in trying to figure out what the greatest is, we can also, I think, think about magicians who have done their thing so mm-hmm. epically well. Not, like we mentioned before, a piece of magic that is like that not anyone could do, but could be adapted to any performer's style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some that are so specifically associated with certain people. Like you mentioned before, how the Statue of Liberty disappearing or when Copperfield walked through the Great Wall of China, he just did like monument magic for a while there, which was great. Mm-hmm. I love monument magic. Um, well, there's also travel destinations. So they yeah, could right. lump that in and say, and here's 15 minutes about China. I mean, that is that's and also packaging is what it is. <laughs> and that's David Copperfield being smart. He's going, yeah. like, you know, what sounds fun. Yeah. 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 What if I made Kauai disappear? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll just go there for a couple of months to scope it out, really work out what it's going to be. Well, I mean, early Mark Wilson in the Magic Land of Alakazam, he got the sponsors and then he got the shows. And if I'm not mistaken, and again, I might be, I don't want to claim to have all the facts. So please double check. And, you know, Hal is our fact checker. So he'll tell you if I'm lying. But I'm right. definitely not lying. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I, I believe David Copperfield had Clorox in his back pocket when he approached channels to sell his original show. So it was all born of business and a good idea. Wow. And what a wonderful marriage we all benefited from. This is me as a magic consumer. When you said he had Clorox in his back pocket, I took that literally and I oh. thought, what's the magic illusion that he was doing that he had that fridge <laughs> in his back pocket? Like he made stains wh- disappear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he made a show appear is what he wow. did. He made a and that is impressive. I mean, quite literally, if you see a show in the in the last 10 years or so, he has a baby shoe with your ring on it in his back pocket. I mean, come I think that's on. what he's doing right now. But uh, yeah. What's the most astounded you've ever been in a magic trick? Uh, I can't remember. 
the really? answer to that question. It, it has been so long since I've been surprised by anything. I've been delighted mm-hmm. by things several times over the years and like, oh, well, that's interesting. Or, mm-hmm. hey, that's a good take on that. Um, but I have not gone, what? In yeah. at least 25 years. And one of those tricks is the one that I is one of the ones that I'm going to bring up as a contender. Ooh. All right. Oh, Let, look, we've been we've been going for a we've while. Been Let's talk about our contenders. Get in it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. Yeah. I, I, I the reason only reason I'm reluctant to do this is because I don't want our three like personal favorites to preclude, you know, we've we haven't even mentioned Linking a deck of cards or sawing a woman in half or I do, pulling a rabbit I've, out of a hat. You know what I mean? Like I have one card trick uh-huh that I'll, I'll do it for any person either twice or three times mm-hmm. if they guess it which they have to do away from everybody else i'll never do it in front of them again mm-hmm. but if they don't know then after those two or three times then they never they never get to see it again and they can always wonder now mm. it is the most like if i <laughs> for me it's fun to i, I love doing it because it makes me yeah. feel like i'm a little inside I, like card tricks are great Sure. And I think they? Uh, Mark and I'm, I'm almost certain that Mark and I have the exact same one. Okay. I don't know. No, if I can do a magic trick game. three times, it's because I have three Svengali decks in my pocket. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and I will tell you that uh, yeah. Di Vernon, who is renowned amongst magicians is like the, you know, he's like the, uh, what do they call it? They call him the professor, but there's another, mm. there's like another little cute thing that they call him, but Marianne. Marianne. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and ginger. Uh, but he had a card trick and he made an entire career, although he'd roll his eyes at it as the man who fooled Houdini because Houdini used to say, you show me a card trick and I'll tell you how it's done. And I showed him a card trick and Harry watched it and said, do it again. And he did it again. And Harry said, do it again. And after a couple of times, Bess, Harry's wife shouted from the dressing room, just admit it, Harry, he's fooled you. And Di Vernon became the man who fooled Houdini. And he traveled around on that for a long, long time. And he used to roll his eyes because Mm -hmm. he was like, it is not that hard to fool Houdini. He's not that good at cards. You know, but (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, Harry Blackstone Sr. said that Houdini was so not good with his hands that he couldn't put both hands into Central Park without rattling every leaf. Well, it's because he was spent so much time in an ice bath and then sure. in, yeah. Well, but also, I mean, when he was on vaudeville, he used to bill himself as the king of cards. And someone was like, I can't remember the guy's name. I was just talking to an Houdini historian, historian about it the other day. But the guy walked up to him and said, hey, that card stuff you're doing is crap. But those, the escape stuff. Now, that's something. Ah, it makes and sense. And Houdini was like, oh, OK, well, we'll try more of that. And then the crowd started showing up and Houdini was a showman first. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So card tricks are awesome. No, no, not all magicians are showmen first. Lots of magicians are technicians first. Mm. Some magicians are, and by technicians, it's like, no, I just want to learn this muscle pass, or I just want to learn this double lift perfectly. Some magicians are jealous hoarders, and they just want to know everybody's secrets, even though they'll never perform them themselves. Some magicians are terrible technicians, but prefer to storytell and share of themselves and people come and see their shows over and over. Mm-hmm. And then there are some magicians who just burn through material because they need constant content. And so they're doing things like exposing magic gimmicks for tricks that they didn't even create online because they're just burning through stuff because they got to generate, you know, six movies a day for TikTok yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I hate that. those numbers. And it's a thing and it's a valid <laughs> way of making money right now. And it's it, it's just a genre that's popped up recently so, anyway 
back to tricks. I think you yeah. guys are afraid to share your tricks because you're afraid of being judged. Oh, I'm not afraid of being. How dare you, man? No, I'm, I'm not. I, you already. I know that Mark. I feel like Mark and I are in a race to see who's going to say it first. Ah, really? Because I, yeah, that, I, ours is, I, is exactly the same. The same. Ours is exactly the same. One. Exactly the same one. Oh wow! It's Derek Delgado's mentalism trick from in and at of the itself, end of in and of itself. Where everybody, where, every yeah. if you're if you well, actually, I'm not even going to say anything more about it. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you, you're talking about. That if is you not my seen trick, it, but yeah, you need to go. You need to go watch it. But I will say that it uh, that show had me in tears like ten different times. Now yeah. tell me not- why. I <laughs> saw it when it was being workshopped, and mm. I am uh, Derek is fine. You know, he's been nothing yeah. but nice to me over over time. But uh, I it did not resonate with me the way it has resonated with the rest of the world, and I haven't had an opportunity to mm. really hear what it is about that that affected you theatrically from such a gut-wrenching point that you feel compelled to share it, that you feel compelled to, you know, that, that it really moved you. So what what is it? I think for me, the central concept of the show itself, mm-hmm. the idea of identity, mm-hmm. <clears throat> is something that struck a, a note with me. Mm-hmm. And to not only get understand how it is that we may see other people, but how we see ourselves, Mm-hmm. And how we connect and relate to other people is very, very powerful to me. And the way that I think he does like five or six illusions over the mm-hmm. course of, of an six. hour and a half. Six. Mm-hmm. six. He does six illusions over the course of an hour and a half. And at first I was like, oh, well, I've, I saw him do a show with Helder where the, where the very first thing that they do is sit there with a chess clock. I remember and that. Do, yeah. And do, yeah, do the back and forth card tricks until they've organized all of the suits and cards in, in exact order, which was fantastic. And this mm-hmm. was so slow and deliberate that I, I very quickly got pulled out of the idea that this is a magic show yeah. and got pulled into the idea of this is a piece of theater and art. Oh, and, sure. and I connected so strongly with that, that when he brought in his big illusion, that it just, uh, it, like it was, just a very powerful moment. I was so connected at that point that when he pulls off what seems impossible to me that I've seen done a million different times and a million different ways. And it always is impressive to me. It just, it just hit me on a different level. And I think about that, that all the time because it wasn't about making a correct guess. It wasn't about like, is, was this your card? It's about sure. this is who mm-hmm. you think you are. This is who you identify as. Yeah. And you were allowed to make that choice yourself. And then it was acknowledged. Is that what yeah. you're trying to say? That he saw you as you the way that you see you. And that's what moved you. Yes. Is that kind of where as, it is? As, that's as, what I'm hearing. I just want to make TV. sure that I'm hearing the right thing. I wasn't even there in person. This oh, is okay. watching, watching everybody, watching that like mass experience that all mm-hmm. of those people had. And I didn't know what was happening in that moment. Mm-hmm. But as I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh no, yeah. no way with all these people. And I know they show like a million different performances of it, but it just, it just, I was on the floor. I'll say this as a person who saw it live. Um, everything that you just said, but also for me, it was the added layer of, uh, I think there's in any performance, there's a special relationship between the performer and the audience Mm -hmm. as a unit, as a group of individuals. 
there is a relationship there and it's somewhere in that space between the footlights and the seats. You know what I mean? And that sort of, that is sort of the magic of theater in itself. And, uh, A, he did a, a magic trick that I just have no idea how he did it. I'm sure it's one of these mentalism things that's probably pretty easy, but it blew my mind that the little stack of cards had sat on the table the whole time, you know, all that stuff that you think about with this, but that other element of it is the most magic in particular feels like such a specific relationship with an audience. As an actor, my job is, you know, what did Lemley say? Laugh, cry, or sit on the edge of your seat. For a magician, it's a totally different thing. It's, I also want you to believe in magic. Mm -hmm. And for him to do that literally with eye contact with every single member of that audience, look at them, wow them with a thing that only, like he looked in my eyes, he said a thing that I'm the only person in the room that knew whether or not he was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And I knew that he was. We had that exact moment and then I sat down. And that to me is the most concise distillation of the perfect version of an actor or of, of a performer and audience relationship. So that to me is, I think, why it is the perfect magic trick. And we have 66% consensus and it comes down <laughs> to a, a subjective situation with personal experiences. Yeah. And I will concede. Be, and I will tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know you don't want to, and we can discuss other things, and I can pitch all of my favorite magic tricks. And I, but I still want to hear what the one you had. Mine yeah. Was. Well, I have two. I have two in okay, mind good. that really moved me, and one is because of the physical adeptness in order to accomplish it, and mm-hmm. the other one is because I had a similar experience with it that you have both described with this, and this is oh, the cool. reason that I will concede because mm-hmm. your example is contemporary, your example is repeatable. And your example is resonant with a lot of contemporary society. For whatever reason, that trick in particular, which did not move me, I thought it was clever, but Mm. I was not moved the way you guys were moved. And it's quite possible because I know a lot of behind the scenes things and had been personally colored, but I found the show very off-putting. And I can tell you why off the podcast, but I was mad at the end. Oh. And I talked Mm. to a friend of mine about it, and I saw it in the very, very, very early iterations of it and would not give it another chance. Mm -hmm. And I was, but everyone who saw it at the same time I did, the people who were leaving the elevator, I mean, I saw it way back at the Geffen when it was like in Mm warmups. And the people who were with me in the elevator were like, ugh. And so it's my understanding that a lot of the things I complained about were fixed later Mm -hmm. and that we saw them, like I said, you don't, nobody's first draft is perfect, Mm -hmm. right? It's just not the way that this industry works. And, you know, J.J. Abrams, actually, my husband got a job on Lost because he had defended J.J. Abrams, who had written a first draft of a script and it was leaked and people were like, oh my God, this is terrible. And Paul stepped forward and said, hey, this is his first draft. How dare you judge anybody's first draft. It's great. He got it done. That's more than a lot of you complaining about it is. And when Paul went into interview to write on loss, JJ said, you know, I saw that. Thanks. Yeah. You know, so anyway, uh, it isn't fair for me to judge. It wasn't a first draft. It had been, you know, gone through several iterations when he finally Mm -hmm. put it on its feet. But as I was leaving, I was not the only person who felt that way. And I would never give it another chance because I was just like, no, he had two hours of my life back then and I didn't like it. And I didn't like the way that he presented himself. <laughs> and I didn't like the story that he told because I thought that this part of it was incredibly selfish and I found it mm-hmm. very off-putting. And I told it to a good friend of both of ours, a mutual friend. Um, 
who you can bleep out, but I'll tell you guys who it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that person went forward and I think gently relayed some of those notes that, I mean, my notes don't matter. This, this dude has got an incredibly successful franchise and has moved people all over the world. I just Mm -hmm. wasn't one of them. And I was quite angry when I left, not because the magic wasn't good. Not because it was stuff I'd seen everywhere else. I certainly hadn't. But I found the individual, instead of connecting with him and feeling important and seen, I Mm. felt diminished. And I felt like I had been listening to a spoiled baby whine for two and a half hours. (laughs) And I was pissed. But you're talking to the daughter of a schizophrenic who watched her dad be institutionalized at 10. Mm -hmm. And, And I've been through some crap. I mean, we all kind of have. And I think that it's... Uh, I don't think that it's fair to minimize what anyone has been through that has affected them to make good art. Mm-hmm. But what I saw, I found very whiny. And it is my understanding mm-hmm. that all of that has been wrung out of it and that the yeah. meaning has been amplified because it came, it is my understanding, from an incredibly good place. Yeah. You know, so I it, I do not. Me Let con- me ask you this. Uh, but before we go into the conceding, <laughs> you won't let me concede. No, I won't let, I won't let you concede now knowing it's really what we just know, one I'm, vote. We really yeah. just both said the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah did. We're not it's experts. Us. No, and, I no, think we're you're not, making yeah. excuses because it's. Hold on a second. Okay. Okay. Now, go ahead. <laughs> do you think that the reason that this piece that moved Hal and I, uh, yeah. not only because you are a professional magician and know things about the technical craft of it. Sure. Which is cool, by the way. Do you think that? Yeah. I mean, it's very cool. Yeah. You also think it's because you understand people in a certain different way and you can see things that either an audience is doing or that uh, a magician is doing that is manipulative in a certain way. And I am, of course, alluding to your study of like you're they call, the who calls you stuff? the human lie detector. Yeah, yeah. you well, are a human I, lie detector. And I this will say blew my mind when I saw this. Uh, thanks. And it was really fun. And it was it, it's really cool to have mm-hmm. that skill. It takes a while to invest in somebody and figure out what their baseline is. So when I say that I do it instantaneously, I'm actually just cold reading like any good mentalist can do Mm -hmm. because the lie detector stuff, you really have to dig in and know somebody's core behavior and their core beliefs to figure out, you know, how they're actually deviating from that. My poor husband, he can't even eat a burrito and lie about it. (laughs) But I'm like, why would you ever lie about eating a burrito? Well, you know, we've been married 15 years. We just, (laughs) he just tries to get by the poor thing. But, um, and he's such a good man. He really is. But yes, I definitely think that my perception Mm. of performance and theater, as well as the way that a magician presents themselves is Mm. incredibly present and absolutely colored by what I know. But it not just what I know from having what, what I've seen them present, mm-hmm. but also what I know behind the scenes and, you know, like what I've heard and maybe what I brought in with me, all mm-hmm. of that stuff absolutely matters. And it 100% shades perception of what yeah. I'm watching. Like if I know that Jack Goldfinger is a great guy and he's just so nice and he just loves everybody. And that is the truth. Mm-hmm. When I see Jack Goldfinger up on stage doing this trick that I've seen a domino trick that I've seen magicians do kids party, magicians, fairs and festivals, magicians, I'm going to scream and how 
towel when it goes well? Do mm-hmm. I care that it had a one dot and now it has three dots and now it has six dots? No, I do not. I care and love <laughs> Jack Goldfinger, right? Yeah, and so right. for me, that 100% colors it because mm-hmm. I know that guy and I love that guy. Well, let there, there will be an episode, I'm sure, of a podcast uh, that also answers this question, but this is our version of answering <laughs> this question. So we want to answer this question with our guests and not in defiance of our guests. Yeah. Can you tell us what those, uh, what those two pieces of magic that blew your mind were? Oh, thanks. Yeah. Okay. So the first one that I ever saw that I went, whoa, was Jonathan and Charlotte Pendragon performing the metamorphosis. And that is a trick that Houdini created. And mm-hmm. it's Jonathan gets locked in a box. Charlotte stands up on top and throws up a curtain and Jonathan rips through it and Charlotte is locked inside. Yeah. And that is incredible magic that they didn't create. But they made their own because they're both stunt performers and gymnasts. Mm -hmm. And no one else in the world, arguably, when they were at their peak, bodybuilders, gymnasts, and stunt people could do it that fast and that magically. And it was so instantaneous that even Mm -hmm. if you did the advance forward frame by frame, I couldn't figure it out. I worked with Jonathan and Charlotte years later, and I watched it backstage. And I got to tell you, the technical adeptness, even in their late 50s, was yeah. incredible. And so not only was it, and it doesn't really have much of a story. I mean, if you look at it, oh yes, the escape, you know, and all of that other stuff, but not the way they present it. She comes out and she's buff and she's like posing with a sword and that, that stuff I can, you know, I don't need it. The old but, school. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want it, but it was the nineties yeah. and that's what everybody was. She was like, I'm wearing sure. a bathing suit covered in feathers and I don't give a crap about that. <laughs> so, but what I do care about is the speed and the technical adeptness and the way that they took something that was already cool and made it physically impossible because mm-hmm. of their unique skill set and abilities. That is one of the things that I just, and, and the wow factor going back to one of the things that you brought up earlier mm-hmm. was 100% there, but there's no story. There is no story in the metamorphosis, but that is one of those tricks that I kept, kept coming back to. And I kept saying, look, I know we have our favorites knowing what I knew about what my personal yeah. favorite was, but yeah. it is a new thing that sort of just came into knowledge. The metamorphosis is one of those iconic, make it your own pieces of magic like That's that. That's true. That yeah. is true. Because once you know the secret, you go, oh, it's but pretty easy. People, yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on which way you choose to do it. Sure. There are several different ways that you can make that magic exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are slow, some are fast, some are dangerous, some are not. Uh, Jonathan and Charlotte's is both dangerous and fast. Mm-hmm. And also he added the rip down the curtain to make it instant. Yeah. But it's also deceptive because where she's going, she's still going there. When you see him, he's using himself as misdirection, which is damn good magic. Right. Yeah. And he's he's a really fun mind to create with. Not my favorite trick, but definitely one that blew my mind. And that mm-hmm. is the last time, and it would have been 30, 40 years ago when wow. they were that I looked at something and said, damn. I remember watching it with a friend in college in 1996. And Charlotte came out and he said, that is a well-constructed female. <laughs> and I said, that was an incredibly diplomatic way of saying something kind of crass. And yeah. he was like, because yeah. you're in the room. Yeah. You know, but it was like, hey, good on him. Yeah. Hey, you know, God bless. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's very diplomatic and really smart. Yeah. But now, uh, probably very happily married by now. Yes, sir. I don't want to, uh, I know it's not your favorite, but in hearing you describe it, 
I wanted to change my answer to that. And no, don't, because I got why. another one. I'm not, I'm not changing it. <laughs> oh, okay. Here, here's what I like about that. The illusion that Mark and I were both discussing is a group experience, but yeah. it's really a bunch of individual experiences that be, that becomes, it's, it's a stained glass window. Mm-hmm. But something like the metamorphosis, everybody in the room experiences the same thing and at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want a bunch and of little gasps or one big gasp? There's something to that. There's something to that huge. 100% like, there is. There's also that takes so- your breath away. Yes. Ooh. But there's also Ooh. something important right now going back to yours and why mm-hmm. if I had mm-hmm. to vote between just those two, I'd still vote for yours about being seen. Mm-hmm. Derek so, sees you, just yes. you, and you too are having a connected moment right then right now and right now with society where it is and we're all screaming into the void on the internet Mm -hmm. you know it's it's all about clicks and views and likes and and we're bombarded constantly with who's in the news and who's made you mad and what's viral and what's up today and scrolling through reddit what's hot what's new you know like or do i want to go with the top that kind of stuff that for somebody especially someone who's performing for a room full of people to take one second and say hey i see you the mm-hmm. way you see you, I acknowledge it, and I'm right here. That is a really powerful artistic statement in today's social climate. And it's yeah. an important statement that absolutely has to be made. So mm-hmm. Jonathan and Charlotte in the 90s doing that, mm-hmm. they don't even perform together anymore. They're both doing their own things. But in the 90s, unparalleled. But if you think about what society was in the 1990s, it was a very, hey, look at me, I'm posing. In a feathered bikini. Yeah. And that was as far as we really had to go because everything was kind of fine. And I don't get me wrong. I know there was, you know, you lift the rock and there's a bunch of crap squirming around and I get all that. Yeah. And I'm not denying mm. that that existed. But what I am saying in general is the country was pretty well prospering. There was a huge focus on superficiality mm-hmm. and hot or not and stuff like that. And, and if you think about what was at the forefront, these people were the epitome of that feeling and that societal movement at that time, very much like the trick that you have currently chosen for this moment in time at the time that this podcast is being recorded. Mm-hmm. Again, you're right. And you're right for the re- and I'm giving you the reasons that I think that you're right. It's not the trick I would choose. And again, I was not personally moved by it for my own reasons. Because we are all subjectively moved by or not moved by art. We could all walk by the same painting and one of us might stop and look for a long time. The other two might just walk by, right? Mm -hmm. But what Derek has done is seen you, all of you, every Mm -hmm. single person in this room, as you have chosen to identify in the moment you showed up. And that is an incredibly powerful piece of magic. That is transcendent. And I get it. I get it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to make you let me concede. <laughs> I'm going to concede I know, right? for this moment. If, if, if we really make it specific mm-hmm. and say best magic trick right now. Yeah. February if you 2021. Asked me, right. If you asked me a couple years ago, I might say Shin Lim and the cards he made vanish on America's Got Talent. I've, which is technically perfect. It's really good, mm. isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. You know, and so, but at that time, 
it was mm-hmm. really resonant with people because there was a lot of smoke and mirrors going on in society. Mm-hmm. And it, my personal view of magic is to hold and, and art in general and theater, of course, is to hold up a mirror as Derek did literally. I don't know if he still does, but at the end of the show, they did the cabaret like you are all Nazis, like the mirror came out and he showed us ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still a thing, because like I said, I saw such an early iteration of the show, but literally holding up a mirror to what is happening right now. And and that and right now in this moment, February 2021, Derek's trick cannot be beat because it is so resonant, contemporary and making such a statement. It is the magic trick we need right now. If that makes sense. We were talking about the why we were talking about how to make this thing matter that talks to space. We were talking about all these things and this illusion that you both described, whether you describe it as a trick, a piece of performative art or an illusion or whatever, a divination, you could boil it down. It is all of those things. There's technical Mm -hmm. adeptness. There's an artistic statement that matters. There's connection with the audience. They're present. The checklist is there. Yeah. I, it feels I, so I'm sorry, weird. guys, so but you're going to have to give it to me. I've won the debate. What's you that? Have won, you, of course you've won the debate. We are not mas- <laughs> yes. magic experts. You are a magic oh, expert who has spent no, a lifetime. It's not about winning. It's about an honest, you know, and I mean, it's like yeah. I will concede because I get it. I get why it mattered to you. And it's, is it my cup of tea? It wasn't the night I saw it. Would it be if I watched it on, you know, wherever it's streaming now? It sure might be. I might watch mm-hmm. it and go, wow, was I off? What a difference this show has, you know, wh- what a different show this has become. Um, but I get it. And I have seen the reaction to this. And it is very similar to Copperfield's Statue of Liberty. Yeah. To something incredible that you can't explain or put your finger on. You just know that it meant something to you. And isn't that what art is for? Yes, a hundred percent. And you, Al, I think very, you have to do very it. salient points. The other half of it that I keep thinking about, because I want to hear the other, the mm-hmm. other trick, no matter what, yeah. is you brought up that may be the best trick for right now. Yes, but our job Uh-oh. on this podcast, we we took an oath. We in did. Blood. And I, you know, I'm telling the truth because I fact check what I just said myself. Yourself, yeah. 100% you decide true. if you're the liar or not. Yes. We decide what is the best of all time for all time. There mm-hmm. are certainly categories, and we did this. I think we've done two Marvel Cinematic Universe episodes now because we update it because new things come new out. New movies come mm-hmm. out, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there may be a time when this may necessitate a follow up with you. Fair. The, the question is, and I think we may find out the answer based on what your next trick is or what your number one would be. Is is that the best trick of all time, as opposed to something else? With the illusion that we're talking about. Mark and I, mm-hmm. would it work the same 40, 50 years ago? Answer your own Where, question. What do you think? Do you think, think that if would. he stood up at an advertising convention with a bunch of Don Drapers and said, you're a conductor, Ooh. you're a musician, you're this, you're that. Do you think that those men would still identify with that and go, oh, my God, he saw me? I do not think so. No, I absolutely no. don't. Think I don't think so. so either. I think it is a powerful social statement for right now, which is why yes. I conceded with that caveat. I will tell you, when I first got into magic, I sent out a survey because Mm. I didn't know what I was doing. And I came into it at 23. Most people get into it at 10 or 11 and they grow up in their parents' basement with their deck in one hand and their in the other. And they Mm -hmm. don't normally come out of that normal people. I was a full-fledged human being adult when I got into magic. And I got into magic because (laughs) someone thought I would be a good marketing asset. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like the way it was going. So I just took his job. So 
the <laughs> well, you know, it's not great. Uh, I'm realistically speaking, he was great. We were just doing different things, but I got into magic later. And so I looked at it from a completely different perspective. So I sent out a survey to 125 people, almost all of whom sent it back. And I said, what should I be most on stage? What should I never do on stage? I'm putting together this magic show. What would a magic show be incomplete without? What do you need to see to believe that you've seen magic? And every single response, all the surveys that came back over a hundred mm-hmm. had the same answer. Top hat. No. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I was like, he's right. It is a top hat. It's a bunny. A t- bunny and fly. a top hat on a table. What is it? Wait, what is it? It what was, was it? to fly. I need to see something float or fly. And in all the shows that I've ever done, Mm -hmm. I have avoided flight because it's expensive. I have avoided flight because it's a pain. Mm -hmm. But I do have a couple of traveling tricks that do levitate. And there are small things that can levitate. You can levitate in front of somebody and that's cheap and easy. It's not easy to do it well, but it's not expensive. But I do have a very expensive table that flies around and it's haunted Mm -hmm. by ghosts. And I hardly ever do it because it's, I don't really feel like I do it very well. And, but every time I do it, people walk up and they are moved by, oh my God, when that table flew, I mean, your show is fine, but that table flying. And I'm like, (laughs) damn, those surveys, those people really knew they were right. There's something about the human experience of soaring like an eagle, being above the liberty, the freedom of being able to rise beyond that really moves people. Mm -hmm. The weightlessness and the carefree aspect of being able to float or fly, specifically Mm -hmm. the human body. That is really resonant overall. And I think if you put that trick in front of the Don Drapers, they would go, holy crap. If you put that trick in front of the uh, 1906 Spiritualism Society, they'd go, oh, my God, he's got the medium skin. You know, good. <laughs> but if you, but in, in arguing, but Arthur if Conan went, Doyle is shaking his head in the back. <laughs> right. oh, yeah. Arthur Conan Doyle loved that stuff. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he gave these two 13-year-old right. girls a ton of money because they took a picture of a fairy. So, but they, you know, God. But if you showed that same trick back in Christ's time, Christ flew, Mm -hmm. they wrote about it in the Bible. He floated up (laughs) off the ground after escaping his tomb three days later. Best magician, best PR ever until Houdini, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) But the idea of flying would be timeless. Now, it's funny you mentioned that Mm -hmm. because and you've already. And again, this is just my opinion. This is my opinion. But but let me just throw this out there. Mm hmm. If we are looking for the greatest magic trick of all time, I did, uh, in my personal experience, the greatest, uh, recent magic experience I had was this, uh, in and of itself. The one that I remember that I, one that I have remembered the longest is a flying routine and it was David Copperfield and the, I mean, I saw him live twice. I saw oh, every special he did on guy. TV. Like as a kid, I was a David Copperfield obsessed. Yeah. And one of the first things that blew my mind was not the Statue of Liberty or the Great Wall of China. It was David Copperfield flying specifically the way that he there's and it's not even the the entirety of the flying routine, which I saw him do both on TV and I Mm -hmm. saw him do it live Mm -hmm. and live. It's so much more spectacular because you really are looking going. 
I have no yeah. idea how this guy but is flying. also you're concerned for his safety. Sure. I don't know if you remember, but they, they pull him up, if I'm remembering correctly, and it's been a long time since mm-hmm. I've seen anything even close to it. But the story that they told was he was overcoming those, you know, like he had ropes or harnesses and they gave away one by one. Mm-hmm. And then he took flight and he soared out right over you. It's amazing. And wouldn't that be something to be able to do that? Oh, well, he was, he was so great with his, he always did have an end of his, uh, banter segment. It's sort of, he sort of segmented it like, here's the monologue part and then here's the illusion. Mm -hmm. And that did seem like the segue of, wouldn't this be amazing if I could do this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But there was a specific move that he did. And I, and I've remembered this since I was a little kid. And in researching this episode, I saw it again today mm. and it took me back to that moment. I will try to describe something that is a very visual thing, but it is the physics of him putting his arms up in the air, closing his fists and then almost doing a pull up into the sky with while not holding any like his hands stay in the same spot and his body is lifted up that specific moment as a kid i went this has opened my imagination up to what magic is and can be and i would definitely put flight in as a contender not only for that personal reason but for the fact that 125 people also have seen or would like to see that yeah and would also like to be that yeah. And so, you know, like the the counterpoint that I would present uh, based on timelessness, you know, if the two arguments mm-hmm. were different, timelessness, either David Copperfield's flight or flight in general, the illusion of mm-hmm. flight, I would put forward as the most resonant, best magic trick, the floating of something and making it matter. But I can't put it down. I haven't seen every magician who's ever taken flight or done something right. floating. So pinpointing it down to one, I cannot, but Mm -hmm. going to the one that matters the most right now would Mm -hmm. absolutely be Derek's for the reasons that we all gave. Sure. But are we picking the greatest magic trick of all time? This is your show, man. You decide. I know. Hal, what what do you think? What does it say? What was the exact wording of the question? Best magic trick. When did it come in? When Ken said, we should do best magic trick. So why don't we make Ken pick? Oh, no, I, I think I have this. Okay. okay. I think I have this. You got this. So now we're back to, this. we're dropping Hell, the channel. We got Hell, what do you mean you got this? <laughs> oh. What do you mean you got this? Correct Mark, the this, pronouns. The new magic trick was making you disappear from the podcast. Oh. I don't like this at all. <gasps> uh, when people, when, when people talk about their pronouns, we versus you is not what they mean, Hal. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, you know, it's all it's subjective. real uncomfortable, guys. You know what? I'm going to do one of these 10 and I'm going to make myself vanish. No, <laughs> please don't. Don't you don't dare. Don't leave me here alone with him. Oh, he doesn't <laughs> want me either. He just said Hal's got this. So let's both just bug off and have a beer. Yeah, fine. We're done. Wait, but I, w- no. I want to. No, Hal, you got this. Hal's yeah. got this. That's the new name of the podcast is Hal's got this. Yeah. I'm alone. Yeah. People of the world. I can remember exactly five dreams that I've had in my lifetime. Five of them. And one of them is the dream that I've had multiple times. I used to live on a street in Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania, that was a series of hills, and we lived at the bottom of the two biggest hills. And in my dream, I would be at the elevated part of one of the hills. So I'd walked up 
and then I would start running towards my house. But a weird thing would happen. I would cease to be running on the ground and start to fly. And I had that dream multiple times. This is the greatest dream I've ever had in my life. Every time I see something or someone, if you put a person on a table and throw a blanket on them and then they start levitating and then they turn over every time, every single time, I think to myself, how the f*** did they do that? Yeah, it was bleep. You know what I said. I said what I said and I don't get upset. Derek's illusion is absolutely of the moment. It is very important to people and it is very impactful to people. And that is wonderful. But if you want to surprise and delight everyone from a hominid to somebody who was just born, you make something fly. And that is the best magic trick. Surprise! It was an illusion all along. We distracted you. Ooh, yeah, that's a modern right. day illusion. Yeah. And here I and thought then, you were going to say that the dream you had all the time was your teeth falling out or you were naked in class. <laughs> that's the greatest magic trick. That was naked that in was class. My reality. That was really beautiful. <laughs> I showed up naked in school every day, and my teeth fell out, and that was that was the truth. Honey, <laughs> that's what it was like. Oh, at a Quaker dark. school. Oh oh like, it's, it's all those oats, know, man. You're eating that oat mush for breakfast. Yeah, it was the oat mush. Yeah, the Woods Quaker School. And all the meth. The greatest. Yeah, it's a bad company. That'll do it. It'll do it every time. I have to go to meth class. Math class? No. 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 (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Stand over your bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) The greatest magic trick is no matter what what or who you're making fly, it's fly. Uh, Let's give the nod to Copperfield just because he's... It. I mean, w- yeah. is it fair to say he's? You on guys the are really Rushmore? changing your vote. Yeah, you know it's not. Vo- look, we're not voting. We this are voting. Are, the three of us are the Supreme Court of this. We're deliberating. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're all on the same yeah. side here. Yeah. And the, and the the thing that that really the selling point, and the more you talked about it being a trick of the moment, Derek's trick, the more I thought, yes, it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. But our job here is not to pick what is the best today. Oh, we want something perfect. something that is the best. Will translate. Across mm-hmm. cultures mm-hmm. and across time. Yeah, pretzel and rod is the best shaped pretzel. Yeah, for all people in all times. I yeah, know. Don't even... Actually, I, I I'm not mad at the pretzel rod. You could do a lot with pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Mark. I told you. I'm mad at it. I mean, like it could, be, it could be a groucho cigar. It could See? be tips and stuff. Yes. It could be munch slowly over time. You could put it in your oh. pocket, pull it back out, and carry it and Missy. chew on it. Misty, if you have ice cream, you can bite it and it'll split and then you'll have like a little open part. Spoon. Spoon. I'm into it. And and I have done that. Where do you think combos came from? Of course. I do love combos. Misty, this has been a delight. I'm I'm, I'm ending this right now. Asked and answered. My second trick was teller with the rose and the knife, by the way. Go ahead. Wait. Oh, dang it. (laughs) No, no. No, we're we're ending the podcast and that they can look it up on YouTube. All right. The rose and the knife. Teller Shadows Rose and Knife. Look that up. You'll find it. Tell people uh, where to find you. What do you? uh... Oh, I'm hiding from all of them, including you guys. It took you years to suss me out of the bush. It really did. We've been trying to get you on the show forever. (laughs) There's an incantation we had to do. They had to draw a circle and conjure the demon. And I was like, what? Yeah. Oh, this thing. (laughs) <laughs> and we were like, no, we can't be in the same room. Candles so we reconjure her back to her own booth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Uh, anyway, mistylee.com if they want to watch little magic tricks that we did, none of which are the greatest trick in the world, but they're all cute. Uh, unicornwednesday.com, those are cute. And uh, if they want to watch the straitjacket escape, that's a real laugh riot, the domestic violence allegory, mm-hmm. uh, they can look up Misty Lee Escape and they'll find it on YouTube. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank great you. Great to have an guys. expert on the yeah. show. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I've been doing it a while. We will. <laughs> you are an absolute delight. Thank you for being here. This topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com or go to the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash We Got This Podcast. Talk about your favorite magic tricks. Share a video or don't. Just share the wonder. How about that? How about oh. we share the, why don't we just share the wonder anymore, man? Right. Yeah. I mean, why does it have to be like all about what's going on? Like, why can't we just be like, wow? I know. I oh, man. Guys. Oh, the wonder. Yeah. Oh. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for giving us a chance to sit down and talk with Misty Lee. Misty <laughs> Lee, according to Penn Gillette. Um, yeah. You can bl- look, this episode's getting so overly bleeped anyway. Um, oh, he told sorry, me not Ken. to say the word, and I just could not. <laughs> sorry, Ken. Uh, Ken's going to have a time. Here's a, there were some swear words. Here's a clip. <laughs> There's a clip of all the swear words in the episode. Just one long. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Loveland, I'm Mark Agliardi. For Mark Agliardi, I'm Hal Loveland. And don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Hey, I'm Janet Farney, host of the JV Club podcast. Ah, oh, high school. Was it a time of adventure, romance, and discovery? Class of 95, we did it! Or a time of angst, disappointment, and confusion. We're all tied together by four years of trauma at this place, but enjoy adulthood, I guess. The truth is, it was both. So join me on the JV Club podcast where I invite some great friends like Kristen Bell, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keegan-Michael Key to talk about high school, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My teenage mood swings are getting harder to manage. The JV Club. Find it on Maximum Fun. I started listening to Ono, Ross, and Carrie shortly after I broke my arm. I was allergic to water. I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Oh No, Ross and Carrie that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers, founders, healers, luminaries. Ross and Carrie don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. They take part themselves. They show up so you don't have to. But you might find that you want to. My arm is better. My landlord came back from the dead. Just go to MaximumFun.org. Thank, Thank you, Ross, Ross and Carrie. Ona Ross and Carrie is just a podcast. It doesn't do anything. It's just sound you listen to in your ears. All these people are made up. Goodbye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.